the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Thursday, August the 10th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On August 10, 1945, a day after the atomic bombing of Nagasaki, Imperial Japan conveyed a message of willingness to surrender, provided the status of Emperor Hirohito remained unchanged. The Allies responded the next day with a very short message. They said they would determine the emperor's future status. I wonder if we have leaders like that at the top, not among the rank and file of our military. Primarily, for the most part, 99.9% of them are, are good kids, good young men and women. They love their country, they're serving their country, they're trying to better themselves through their service to the country and so on. And they're laying it on the line. Some of them, it takes their lives. But I wonder, at the top, I see these guys that Biden has brought in, uh, in leadership. And honestly, all I see them talking about, for the most part, is inclusivity and, and transgenderism and I mean, this whole LGBTQ nonsense, that's all I hear them talking about. They're telling our kids in the service and the military branches to read the books and all of this kind of thing. Could they stand up to a formidable enemy if we were attacked again? I don't know. Personally, I don't see it when I watch what they say on television and in meetings and and I see what they're doing as far as leading our military. It's troubling. Today in 1821, Missouri became the 24th state. And for those of you from Missouri, I will call it Missouri. I know you do. At least your mother and dad did, or your grandparents. Today in 1885, Leo Daft opened America's first commercially operated electric streetcar. Where do you think it opened? What city? Baltimore. Today in 1944, during World War II, American forces overcame the remaining Japanese resistance on Guam. Today in 1962, Marvel Comics superhero Spider-Man, he made his debut. 1962. The issue was issue 15, called An Amazing Fantasy. (laughs) A lot has changed since 1962. Not only with Spider-Man, but all the rest of those people in the comic books. Today in 1969, Leno and Rosemary LaBianca were murdered in their Los Angeles home by members of Charles Manson's cult one day after actor Sharon Tate and four other people were slain. I've talked about this at some length in the past. I won't today, but Charles Manson was uh, his youth he had a he, he was in and out of the youth group at Hollywood Presbyterian Church the youth pastor there was a good friend of mine when I was in the North Hollywood church that I was in 
And uh, he said Charles Manson was coming in and out of his youth group. It was called, I think it was called Salt and Light at the time. And um, he said he was a very confused kid and, and he kept, he was on drugs heavily, as many were during those years. And he he kept saying he wanted to serve Jesus and he wanted to find ways to serve the Lord. And yet he was all doped up on drugs. He later said, and it didn't make a lot of news coverage, but he later said that he thought by killing Sharon Tate and the four other people involved with her and these folks as well, that he was delivering the world from Satan because uh, Sharon Tate had been in a movie, Rosemary. Uh, it was uh, it was about it was kind of a parallel to the Virgin Mary, and this woman was was pregnant and had been impregnated by Satan in this movie. I, I have not seen it. I wouldn't see it, but as I understand it, it, it had just come out. I mean, it was a current movie. And he thought by killing Sharon Tate, who played the part in the movie, that he could dispose of Satan because she was actually pregnant with her husband or partner or whatever. So it's a complicated story, but boy, it's sad, it's sick. But that's what sin does and drugs to the human mind and the heart. Today, in 1993, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was sworn in as the second female justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Five years ago today, Richard Russell, he was a 29-year-old airline ground agent. He stole a commercial airplane from SeaTac International Airport. That's, as you know, the main airport in Seattle, those of you outside the area. That's, that's the big one in Seattle. He flew the plane. He took off. And he flew the plane for 75 minutes, and he was performing these stunts. And the guys on the ground, even the pilots, were were amazed at what he could do. He was just just a great. He wasn't a pilot. I mean, they didn't know he was a pilot, but he was just working on the ground. He stole this plane, and he was doing all these loops and stunts and everything up out over the area there of where SeaTac is. And uh, as I said, he flew for about 75 minutes, and. Uh, military jets were you know were launched immediately and they were trying to force him to land the thing and finally he crashed it into a remote island in Puget Sound and killed himself he was the only person as I recall and I recall that quite well because it's a pretty novel story but I think he was the only person that that was injured uh, in any way um, during that episode but it was kind of unusual sometimes when you think you've seen it all you haven't. Uh, there's always one more thing that somebody does that's just amazing. And this was uh, was that. The news was, they were beside themselves in reporting it. They, they, they'd never seen anything like it. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens." That's what faith has done in the lives of those throughout history who have put their faith 
in the Lord. I think this is a time in which we live, that we need to be sure our faith is strong. This is not a time to be apathetic about our faith. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to read it. We need to have prayer every day in our private lives. We need to be in touch with other Christians. These are indeed perilous times. Everything seems to be stood on its head in our culture. They are screwing up something that God made that was beautifully and wonderfully made. A culture, a planet to live on, and a universe. And now we, with our sinful ways, we have lost our way in America. Of all places, one nation under God. Our founders created this nation with a view to biblical truth, to God's word. They repeatedly said prayers and asked God for his help and his guidance. And now, here we are. I'll tell you. On the lighter side, in the months uh, that a Fremont 7-Eleven store, this is in Seattle, has been open, that's an area of Seattle, the manager claims to have noticed a constant trend. He said drivers are cutting through the gas station as a shortcut to pass the busy intersection. I see some of you smiling. Have you done that? You don't have to answer publicly. Although we do have a microphone in your home. I'm kidding. We have a smaller parking lot, this guy says. So if somebody's not paying attention, they can get hit pretty quick. He's a 7-Eleven manager. His name is Daniel Johans. Como News is reporting this this morning. He said it's a practice called rat running, according to Como News. I hadn't heard that phrase before, honestly. I have to admit, I have done that a couple of times. Cut across a parking parking lot to avoid a very crowded intersection. I'm thinking you have too, but maybe you haven't. Anyway, it's called rat running. And while people might not recognize this name, they admit to seeing it happening or they admit to doing it. I don't know how many times I've walked through here and had to hop out of the way of somebody coming or barreling through this Carol uh, Solberg. She's from Fremont. She was telling Como News. She said, the trend is not banned. They said the trend is not banned in Washington State, but some critics are outlawing it. Some cities are outlawing it, according to the Washington State Patrol. According to city codes, here are some that are are, are banning it, and they, they have policies against it. Uh, Edmonds, Linwood, Snohomish, Enumclaw, and Bellingham all have laws against cutting corners through a private or a public lot to avoid an intersection. Enumclaw, like most municipalities, does does have a municipal code for cutting across private property. And the um, Enumclaw Police uh, Department Chief Tim Floyd, he says, we're paying attention. So in other words, they're going to... Uh, Apparently, start writing tickets or something. Anyway, there's a there's a Honda dealership in Edmonds that's just north of Seattle. This dealership in Edmonds even uses one of its cars to block an exit to prevent more drivers from cutting through and often speeding in their new car uh, car lot. 
the state patrol warrants of penalties. They said, man, we you got to knock this off or we're going to have to start writing tickets. So I just thought I would help you not have to pay a ticket the next time you get frustrated at a very frustrating intersection somewhere and see a, a parking lot that you could drive through and avoid all of the problems. U.S. House Oversight Chairman James Comer, he's doing a just a yeoman's job. He released financial documents yesterday that back up the allegations that the Biden family and associates have received more than $20 million in payments for foreign entities. He published the, the bank documents. I mean, you can look at it. There it is. The news media is running from this, the main news people, the major new legacy news, whatever we want to call it. But he re- re- released those bank records uh, yesterday. That's the latest installment of this whole string of troubling evidence that President Joe Biden, it, Biden notably said often that he didn't know anything about Hunter's business dealings. But now we find out that money is passing through all these shell companies and it's coming and they've got the bank records. But the press still won't report on it. They're so obsessed with taking out Donald Trump. I mean, and they don't, it's not even a pretense anymore. It's just go, yeah, we, we got to take care of Trump. We don't care what Joe Biden does. I mean, that's the notion that we see from the press today. That's why it's so important that we get our information elsewhere about what's really happening in regards to values and, and our Christian faith and any attacks on the Christian faith and how people are consorting to, you know, take away our freedoms or reduce our freedoms and our liberty. The the news media is miserably failed. I mean, they have just collapsed upon themselves as far as I'm concerned. Oh, they're still publishing their stories and stuff, and I refer to it because it's out there. But it cannot be our source of knowing what's happening in the culture. And that's why we do what we do here every day, and we do so because you support it. That makes it possible for me to do what I do. And I thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. To all of you who do support us, thank you. We need it. To those of you who don't, but you appreciate what we're doing, and if you can, if you feel the Lord is nudging you to become a sponsor of this program and to help us with a contribution, a prayer, I'd encourage you to do so. It's important. We need it. If you listen to this program regularly, you know I don't talk a lot lot about support. A lot of Christian programming does. And they do because it's expensive. And it's difficult, particularly in today's environment. But I want to thank you for keeping us on the air, standing with us, so we can touch the hearts and minds of a lot of people. And the numbers of people that listen to this program are significant. And I am humbled. So thank you for your support. We need it. At the conclusion of a court hearing just wrapped up, this journalist, Andy No, his name is spelled N-G-O, but it's pronounced No, it was a multi multi-day civil trial against this Rose City 
Antifa. That's the Antifa organization, the organized one in Portland, Oregon. His far-left militant members, they brutally beat this reporter, Andy No, almost beat him to death. When he went undercover to expose Antifa's extremist activities on the riot-torn, looked like a World War III in Portland, Oregon. Twelve-person jury reached the verdict in the case Tuesday evening of this week, reportedly finding both the defendants from Antifa not liable. And they almost killed this guy. This guy, he's a young man. They almost killed him. This is what lawlessness looks like. It's on video. They're beating him almost to death, these people. And it isn't a matter of these may not be the people. They are the people. They've Everybody that's involved has identified them. And the jury dismisses it. How does that work? Are laws no longer a part of our culture? This Harmeet Dillon, she's the uh, head of the Center for Amer- American Liberty. You may have seen her on Fox. She's on there quite a bit, a lawyer. She and her organization, I think she's based in California, She, um, they were seeking a million dollars in damages in this lawsuit. They were accusing the co-defendants of assault, battery, theft, and intentional infliction of emotional distress over the series of violent Antifa attacks. It was beginning in 2019. There were several of them. One of them was he, he hospitalized him due to a brain hemorrhage. And they didn't know if he was going to live or not for a while. And here these guys are in court now, uh, after a couple of years. In the closing statements, this defense counsel, this Michelle Burroughs, she told the the jurors that not only does she self-identify, this is the attorney representing this woman, attorney representing these Antifa guys. And she said not only does she self-identify as an anti-fascist or Antifa, she strongly said... I am Antifa, and she insisted on making herself an I am Antifa t-shirt, which the activist attorney said she would never she would wear after the trial. But in spite of Antifa's well-documented history of violence, Burroughs told the jury, these 12 people in the jury, that Antifa's unfavorable reputation is untrue and depicted the, organi- the organized militants as activists fighting for social justice and civil rights. She said, no, they're not the bad guys. They're the good guys. Never mind that they're burning the the city and, and destroying businesses up and down the streets from which Portland may never fully recover, at least not in a lifetime. I mean, it's amazing. Same thing was happening in Seattle and elsewhere, but certainly here in the Northwest. Resistance in this country has never been peaceful, this attorney told the jury and the judge. She argued in defense of Antifa that they were standing <laughs> standing for freedom. Rather than taking the time to, to provide evidence as to why the defendants should be free of liability, Burrow uh, instead defended anti-fascism and attack knows credibility as a journalist. They said, well, he's not a good journalist. He doesn't know what he's doing and so on. Well, he is a pretty good journalist. That's why they went after him. He was out there covering all that burning and looting, and he was in Seattle and Portland. 
Burroughs also told jurors that she will remember. She, she looked right at him. She said, I will remember each one of your faces. Well, that's a threat to a jury. It didn't matter. Before the jury deliberation commenced, this judge announced that the jurors had raised safety concerns about being doxxed, or in other words, their names and addresses and phone numbers and everything being put out there publicly. They claimed that people have been trying to identify them, the, the jurors, according to this post-millennial report. And this Katie Davis court, she's from Seattle, and she's a, a kind of an undercover correspondent, writer, and so on. Before the trial's conclusion, the judge issued court orders banning the public and non-credentialed press from the courtroom for the duration of Noe's jury trial as it was underway in Multnomah County's uh, Circuit Court in in Portland. The judge's decision was made due to multiple in-court disruptions since the trial had begun on January uh, July 31st. In June of 2019, Noe, he's a son of Vietnamese refugees, covered another event organized by Rose City Antifa. It was a a viral event caught on camera that showed No being repeatedly punched, kicked in the head, hit with placards, and doused with these concrete-infused milkshakes. That's what the Antifa guys called them. No required a hospital stay to treat his brain bleed. In addition, he had months of therapy. No testified that he had to see a cognitive physical and occupational therapist following the attack and saw a psychologist for the trauma he was experiencing, which was kind of similar to PTSD. Then there was this. A reporter for the post-millennial, Katie Davis Court, whom I mentioned from Seattle, was in Portland for the trial and was there in the audience. And After this trial was completed on Tuesday of this week, she she went out to her car and found that all the windows had been smashed out of her car and all of her personal items had been stolen. Who did it? She doesn't know. Apparently the news doesn't know either. Maybe they don't care. But this is a profile of world, third world lawlessness. I've seen this before, but I never thought I'd see it in our own country, in America. I've seen it in third world countries. This is carbon copy. The third world lawless countries on this globe. And there's, there's still a number of them. A year ago, Representative John Katko, he's a Republican from New York, he wrote an article for the kind of the center-left-leaning, very left-leaning sometimes, news organization, The Hill. You probably hear, they sometimes quote that in the mainstream media. But in this article, he was expressing his deep concern over the growing lawlessness in our country. He said, and I want to quote some of what he said. He said, quote, Prior to my time in Congress, I had the honor of serving for nearly 20 years as a federal prosecutor fighting <clears throat> excuse me, organized crime and corruption while putting violent criminals behind bars. He said, with a deeply held belief that law and order is essential for a functioning society, it's unnerving that as a nation, we are now seeing the highest spike in murder rates in decades. A further concern is the lack of fortitude for Democrats to address the problem. 
Not surprisingly, he said this is largely occurring in Democrat-run cities. Well, that's exactly true. I mean, that is what's happening. He said, prior to my time in Congress, I had the honor of serving for nearly 20 years as a federal prosecutor, fighting organized crime and corruption. He said, while putting violent criminals behind bars with a deeply held belief that law and order is essential for a functioning society. He's concerned. Very concerned. He said, if Democrats wanted to address the crime crisis, we would see them taking action. But he said, right now, they seem to care more about deflecting. The truth is that violent criminals are emboldened by soft on-crime policies and lack of consequences. Again, he's right. Very right. Two years ago, the Heritage Foundation published an article. I remembered it, and I went back and, and found it and reread it. And in the article, two years ago, Heritage Foundation, they were warning of what we are now experiencing. Prophetic? Well, in a sense, it was. The article was a long article, very well done, and their articles are well done, and they're well thought out. But the article gave three takeaways, just three. A longer article, but this is the essence of what they said. One, they said, rioting and looting have become regular responses to police incidents, or, in the case of Portland, for no apparent reason at all, they cannot be, this cannot become the new normal. Another point that they made in this rather long article that they published was, if President Biden is sincere about wanting to end the destructive violence, he will need to do much more than give simple lip service to it. Very true. And thirdly, they said, the continuation of the left's selective outrage, punishment, and division based on race and political agenda will only further divide this country. No question about that. Lawlessness is primarily a spiritual matter. It isn't just a legal matter. Oh, it is. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. The word translated lawlessness comes from the Greek word uh, anomia, which means an utter disregard for God and his laws. From this Greek word, we also get another word, which is the belief that, uh, Greek word, that there are no moral laws that God expects Christians to obey. Every sin is a transgression against God because sin violates God's moral standard for human beings. Since God created us, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, he has the right to define our, the boundaries for us. Any violation of those boundaries is a violation of his law, which means that every sin is an act of lawlessness. And that is the spirit that we find ourselves in here now. Our founding fathers understood this, and they wrote our founding documents. They built our institutions. They created a nation that rose to greatness on that truth. That truth alone, this nation was founded and built. Scripture makes a distinction between someone who sins, as we all do, Romans tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But they, Scripture makes a difference between sinning and someone who practices lawlessness. It is what they do. A lawless person is one who has given himself or herself over entirely to a sinful lifestyle. Lawless people either do not believe in God or refuse to acknowledge his right to rule their lives. Even those living in lawlessness can find forgiveness if they turn from their sin and receive Christ's righteousness 
and salvation. We've separated ourselves from God and his truth. And we're doing this more and more and more in our nation until we turn back to God, repent, and ask him to restore us. We cannot see things change. Thank you for being with me today. It's always an honor. I have much more to say, so we'll continue right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.